Head over to patreon.com slash severe MMA podcast to sign up for our premium content. From the Q&A to the rewatch, we provide multiple shows per week for all your combat sports needs. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of SevereMMA.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA Podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA Podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. Episode 305 of the Severe MMA Podcast is here. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Darren Randolph of Irish MMA Media, Graham MacDonald. As we talk about a big night last night in the world of mixed martial arts, it always is a big night when the heavyweight championship of the world is up for grabs, and that's exactly what we had last night in, in a pretty good card. But before we get to that, we must mention that this podcast is presented by Manscaped. And if you heard any oohs and ahs last night, it might have been the screams <laughs> of people getting their uh, cuts before they've signed up for Manscaped. So you need to try Manscaped out for yourself. The Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. And myself and Graham had those uh, <laughs> had those issues before we signed up at uh, Manscaped. And uh, b- <laughs> before Christmas, we had the same uh, ooze and ahs coming out of us. So, man, um, you need to start taking notes because it's time to reduce those cuts. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and the tugs. Get the third generation trimmer featuring the skin safe technology so that your boys can be nice and smooth. Manscaped engineering team has worked for 18 months in this grooming experience so you can have the ball hair trimmer that's the best ever created. When I tell you this is premium, it absolutely is. 90 minutes uh, uh, shaving time, waterproof so you can use it in the shower. Unbelievable LED light which illuminates absolutely everything. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show off your more loud and proud. Hold on, is my one here? I think it is. Wait, one second. There you go. F- absolutely brilliant job. Uh, so many people have written stories about how the Larmore 3.0 has changed your lives. They even included pictures so I could see the smoothness for myself, unfortunately. Uh, you need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code severemmanscape.com. Your balls will thank you. So our call to action. Get 20% off. And free shipping with the code SEVEREMMAY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. Uh, and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. Sign up now. Right, Graham. Uh, UFC 260 last night. An absolutely huge show. Uh, what were you expecting, I suppose, out of the main event? Uh, Stipe Miocic versus Francis yeah. Ngannou. Were, were, were you sh- like, I think, look, when a fight finishes like that, it's shocking. But how shocked were you? I know we all picked uh, Francis Ngannou to win, but were you were you shocked when it happened last night? I wasn't shocked. Um, you know, I, I I was surprised at how kind of uh, violent little Stipe little Stipe had to offer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I know he got clipped early and and hard and took it really well, but you know, once you've taken it, you kind of like you know. 
it seemed like it was inevitable the way he was fighting. He just seemed like he didn't want to eat those punches, and it seemed like it was a matter of time that uh, Francis was going to get it. Like I obviously, both of us, I think, picked first round KO, and he, he had a couple of he had a couple of chances where maybe maybe he would have knocked out a lesser man, but uh, but um, Stipe is tough. But it just seemed like it seemed like it was only going one way to me as I was watching it. Yeah, it was one of those fights where after I went back and I watched the first fight on for the rewatch on I think it was Thursday night I watched it. I was like I got a kind of a totally different look at it. I think when you watch that first fight, you know, you think back on it everyone's probably thinking all oh, this to take down the Vince. It's him getting dominated on the ground, but I don't think that was the issue at all. I think the biggest issue in that first fight was how over the top Nganu was. He was throwing shot after shot after shot. It was just too much from Nganu, too much power. And when you throw that much and someone's expecting you to come out throwing that much, it gets a little predictable because, you know, Stipe is going to be prepared for Francis Ngannou to come out and start throwing loads of shots, you know? Steep is going to be <laughs> going to be looking for that. So if you're Francis, I think the, the best thing you can do in that situation is it just how you are throwing those strikes, you know, is to uh, throw a little bit less predictably. And I think that's exactly what we saw last night. Like, Francis was throwing a lot more jabs to the body, a couple of double jabs, which I think set up one of the knockdowns. He was throwing a few more feints. I don't think he was going overboard with the feints. And he was especially, you know, getting stuff behind him as well. So it was... More an adjustment than that, I think, than anything else. But we did see the adjustments in his wrestling and how good he was and the ability he had to uh, to change things up there. And uh, well, you know, did we? Did, you know, he's a very, very strong, big guy. Early, if the fight had gone longer, maybe we would have seen, you know, more some of the symbols in his game. Like, you know, it's hard to tell in in like one early takedown attempt. Um, if he's actually like vastly improved in his takedowns or not, I think his game plan was vastly improved. You know, the patience that they kept calling for, telling him to relax, like that was, that was definitely um, very important. I think to him, it, it's, for me, it's hard to say if his if he's really developed his that side of his game or not. Just from that, you know, see, he could have drilled that that entry and known Stipe was going to kind of try that. You know, it's I don't know if, if we can say oh Fran- Francis has kind of you know evolved his ground game where that's not going to happen to him again in the future. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I like I think he doesn't need to maybe evolve his ground game as much as as maybe people had made out after the first uh, fight. I think the fact that he adjusted what we saw on the feet le- made the ground game less, uh, you know less important because if you know we see what francis ngannou i I think i said it on on a few podcasts i think most people probably would have agreed um what came after the initial burst from francis was probably the most important thing we saw uh, we would see in the fight if stipe was going to win it you know if france i think most people thought okay if the fight goes long steep will win and if the fight goes short uh francis will win and that's exactly how it worked out and i think steve probably even saw it that way as well whether the early storm and come come into the fight 
whether or not early storm against Francis when he's in there and he's picking his shot and he's throwing jabs through the middle and he's making you think is the shot coming uh, or is it a you know is the big right hand coming is the big left uh, hook coming is a feint coming is a jab coming that's a lot different from just seeing Francis wading forward and just seeing whatever's coming you can dip under it you didn't see half as much as that last night from from Stipe in my opinion I think that was the difference between this fight and the last fight and you know we I mentioned it before and I think you mentioned on the betting show maybe just even if even if that hadn't happened right going into a second fight with Francis going 10 rounds with Francis Ngannou and not getting knocked out is an almost impossible task like even I think it was the fourth round in the last fight Francis hurts Stipe badly at one stage he carries that power even when he's tired even when he's wrecked he's just such a big powerful colossal man that that's always going to happen uh, <laughs> with Ngannou and the fact that he was able to get in there early and strike early uh, made it even more so but th- your point on Stipe and I saw a few people saying Stipe didn't look the same or he looked a bit off and stuff I don't necessarily think that was the case I think it was more of him trying to bide his time trying to wait trying to avoid Francis rather than going in there winning like he lost the first round uh the, the first time around or, or you know it would have been uh it would have been or, or cl- you know close enough round whichever way francis definitely got his licks in and i think he would have been happy enough to give up the first and second round here if he was to win the uh the few after it so i i wouldn't read too much into that i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's a case of steep looking older steep looking shot or anything like that uh i think it was just francis looking good but it was it's i suppose just talking about the fight itself where he's talking about what comes after it you know that when it went into that second round and when francis landed that jab and knocked stipe down um and stipe kind of got back up and hit him with that one shot it kind of stipe kind of gave himself enough room to hang himself there nearly or gave francis enough room exactly yeah <laughs> because when he, he waited in instead, that was of, issue, instead of getting out of the way yeah yeah, instead of getting out of the way and trying to recover, he's like, "Oh, maybe I, maybe I have him here," and then all of a sudden he's fucking out. Like, you know what I mean? He, he, against a guy with like Francis and in the heavyweight division in general, it's, it's a risky maneuver, you know, mm-hmm. when you're rocks to to swing swing with guys, especially against Francis. Like, you know, it's very ill advised. It's it's obviously you know he'd been hit with some big shots. His his brain probably isn't exactly making you know 100 percent decisions, but mm-hmm. he, you know maybe you think like this is going downhill. I need to make this happen, but. Yeah, it's uh, you know when you get knocked out like that. It, after that, it, it does look like a big mistake. But yeah. you know, as I said, it seemed like it was only going one way. So maybe Stipe felt that and felt like oh, this is my chance to make something happen. If I don't do it now, I'm I'm already dazed here. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be out. So you you know, it, in hindsight, it's easy to say oh that was that was reckless. But you know, if he had got it done, it would have been spectacular and mm-hmm. you know, brilliant. 100%. Uh, let me just mention here quickly <laughs> this integer as well. In case you're noticing any uh, sound issues, we've had terrible problems here today. So our uh, Facebook got taken down the other day because Brave decided to uh, <laughs> to give us like a DMCA strike for absolutely no reason and then took it away. But Facebook agreed with that, but still have fucked us over. So we usually use Facebook to record... We somehow went into like two recordings at the same time. It fucked up the sound issues. I've tried everything to fix it, but hopefully just like turning off and turning on the computer and giving it a day will fix it. But uh, I'll have to work on that. But it, 
Hopefully it's all okay anyway. But fucking technology again, absolutely destroying us as as it tends to do. But uh, so, uh, apologies for that, and ho- bear with us here. And we will. We're, what we're going to actually do is we're going to run through this card, do a bit of brave, and then we'll pop back with another podcast during the week. I think just so it's uh, not like a fucking hour and a half of this absolute bullshit. But let's uh, finish up our our sleeping Mortgage versus Francis Ngannou talk. Graham, I suppose the talk straight away afterwards was John Jones, and that was always going to be the talk, I suppose. Do you, is that the fight you do next? Do you do the Steve Berry match? Do you do Derek Lewis? What What do you think is the is the next move? Oh, like for John Jones coming in off a layoff and a new weight class against Ngannou, you know, it's uh, we talked about it previously on the podcast a few times. Like it, it would be ideal for Jones to come in and you know get a, a high ranked guy, but an easier matchup. Like maybe a you know Derek Lewis. You know Derek Lewis has a win over Ngannou and. Uh, all that as well so um, but now you know it seems like after this win that everybody seems to all the fans seem to be in agreement that this is this is what they want next uh, I saw on like Twitter and stuff straight after the fight that seemed to be very prominent uh, obviously uh, Jones made some tweets about it like you know he obviously mentioned he needs to get paid as well so that may, may be a big uh, stumbling block uh, we'll see in the in the coming fucking days and weeks or whatever but I think yeah, I think that would be a fight that a lot of people could get excited about. Yeah, look, I think the uh, the big issue is John Jones getting paid because uh, everyone was calling for it last night. And I think look, I, I would love to see Stipe get the rematch, but after that uh, concussive brain trauma he took last night, there's absolutely no way he has, he can get it next. You know that fight. If you're to do the rematch, you can't be doing it for a year. So I don't think Francis is going to want to wait around for a you know for a full year to uh, you know to, to do that. So I think uh, you move on, you do a fight with Francis, and then you give Stipe the winner of that fight, whoever it might be. Now the fight we all want is John Jones. You know I think that and Habib versus Usman are the two biggest fights you can make in MMA. I think and you know obviously throw McGregor into the mix there if he can beat Poirier again. There's so there's <laughs> there's a problem with that because I, I was listening to a bit of Dave Meltzer last night. We've spoken about it as well before that the UFC are now getting paid for a certain amount of pay-per-view buys. And I think it's 500,000 pay-per-view buys from ESPN. It doesn't matter if they sell a million or they sell 50 pay-per-views. They're getting paid for the 500,000 per event. So the UFC obviously want to do the best they can for ESPN. So they don't want to put on shitty cards. But it is an imperative of them to go out and pay John Jones that extra two million or whatever it might be to get the fight on, so they can move this from, uh, say, a Lewis versus Ngannou, which might do five hundred thousand pay-per-view buys, to a Jones versus Ngannou, which might do you know one point two million pay-per-view buys. So it's not as imperative for them now. Obviously, they'd like to do that, and if if they could make that fight, I'm sure they would. But they're not going to lose themselves money by paying John Jones way over and above what they think he is worth. Now, John Jones is probably worth that, and he's probably worth a lot more. Um, but I'm just telling you from the UFC's, UFC's point of view, that's what they will be thinking. And for me, I think thinking like that, this fight's not going to happen, unfortunately. Like, John Jones, is John Jones going to back down? He's the, the, the thing is, right... The, this, the UFC have done this with Poirier, they've done it with Diaz, they've done it with McGregor and different people. Um, 
And some people have backed down and some people haven't backed down. And, you know, Tony Ferguson has tried to do as well. Lots of people recently. Um, and some people, obviously, like McGregor has gotten paid and Diaz ended up getting paid. And, you know, it's, it's gone certain ways with certain people. John Jones has been out for a good while now. He has refused to fight. He's refused to take the money to go up the heavyweight to fight. And that's not John Jones being soft or anything. That's John, John Jones being smart and John Jones trying to wait it out. But at what point do you say... I'm getting older here, I've been out too long, you know, how is this going to affect me being out of the cage for so long, and am I ever going to get paid, should I just take this money and fight, so, and you know, if you have to wait a year or two for a fight, instead of fighting twice a year, like, if you fight, you know, twice a year in two years, you're fighting four times, if you wait a year or two, you might get one or two fights in, so you're, you're, end up making less money, I know you have to do a little more, not a little bit more, but more work, you have to fight or whatever, but, you know, this is this is a short career. Like you know, um, you got to make money while the, while the sun shines, and uh, you know, it's a risk. We've seen it, we, as you said, we've seen it. We've seen it work for some guys, and we've seen it, you know, nearly destroy some guys' careers. And you know, Dana White's not a not a guy to, you know, if 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 he doesn't like something you're doing, he he could do his best to, to give you bad matchups, to give you give you bad spots, to try and not pay you, or to you know. He, it's it's a it's a risky game, and Jones could probably you know get paid a handsome amount and and fight you know with Derek Lewis, but he seems to be waiting for that bigger payday. But it, like you know, if if he had have already gone in there six months ago and and fought, he probably have what five million in his bank yeah. that he doesn't have now. So it, it it's a it's a catch twenty two when the when the career is so short and the UFC have so much power and they know they have so much power. Yeah, if you're John Jones, though, do you take like that fight against uh, against Francis Ngannou, or do you take uh, Jan Blachowicz, you know, or Jan Blachowicz, Derek Lewis winner, or something like that, or sorry, Jan Blachowicz, um, Glover Teixeira winner? Uh, like at that point, if they're refusing to pay you to go to heavyweight to fight Francis, why don't you just go back down to two hundred five? Like that. That to me is the most likely outcome out of all of this. The most likely outcome I think is Blahovich versus Jones and Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis to be honest. And that is a very pessimistic thing to think because I want the exact opposite. I've called for years for John Jones versus Francis. And I think the fans, you know, Dana White and the UFC, they always say the fans put under pressure and, and they make these fights happen. Well, I think that's what needs to happen here. I think everyone needs to be fucking tweeting Dana White and Sean Shelby and, you know, everyone. And trying to get this fight done. Because this is the fight. You know, sometimes in MMA... Like, I, I tweeted mm. a couple of weeks ago about Habib versus Usman. And loads of people were like, oh, no, they're teammates. And Habib doesn't want to move up. Like, what the fuck? You should want to see the great fights between the great fighters. And, like, <laughs> why do you care about some fucking Ali Abdelaziz manager making these two lads who don't train together, who are not from the same country, who have nothing in common, basically, not even in the same weight class, like, friends, so they can't fight. Like, absolute bullshit. They're two great fighters. Put them up against each other and, and wa- want to see him fight. And go, okay, maybe he wants to retire, and absolutely, if he does, fair play to him. We talked about that last week, but that, that really annoys me sometimes. <laughs> like, fans looking for a way out of it. There should be no way out of John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. That is the fight to make. Look, Derek Lewis has earned his way. Absolutely put him next in line. Or give him a number one contendership. Even if Stipe comes back and Derek versus Stipe for the number one contendership. Although I think Stipe has earned it as well. Fine. But it, the fight to make is Ngannou versus Jones. That is the greatest fight of all time, maybe. You have the one of the greatest fighters of all time. Arguably, you know, the best fighter of all time in terms of who would win in a fight or anyone in human history. 
against and who am I talking about there? Am I talking about John Jones or Francis Ngannou? You don't know. You probably don't know. Jonathan. I was talking about John Jones, but I could equally be talking about Francis Ngannou, the big fucking monster who's gone in there against the Jones, the technical ability of Jones, the wizard. What a fight it would be. It would be absolutely unbelievable. I have no idea who would win. And that's the sort of fight we should all want to see. And that's the fight that makes me excited here, sitting here talking about it. Fucking, and it's not even made. Oh, I really want to see it. it are, are you in agreement, Graham? This is surely the fight to make, uh, even though it probably won't be made. Yeah, it would be a huge fight. And if, they, if the UFC could kind of tie it in with, hopefully, things, some places opening up to, to you know, um, arenas and have this as the kind of first first big pay-per-view main event with with fans back and you could do a big gate on it, as you said, it doesn't really matter to the UFC too much about the pay-per-view numbers with ESPN in terms of the, the money line or the money side of things. So, um, yeah, like that gate would definitely would definitely help pay John Jones a little bit more, and and Ganu probably, you know, um, like you know, he's gonna want that fight. Like he's, if he can beat Jones after beating Steve Miocic, like you know, he's a, he's he's got a you know, cool cool backstory or like you know, not cool but like interesting backstory. Obviously, a lot of bad things happened to him. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast talking about that. If he he could explode as a as a big star, you know, people like big, scary looking heavyweights. Even if they're not really an MMA fan, people will tune into like a big heavyweight boxing match, even if they don't know who the guy is that the guys that Joshua's fighting or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's definitely um, a chance here for Ngannou to kind of you know establish himself as as a star. If he can, and definitely if he can go out there and beat Jones, that'll be huge. Um, for Jones, like. <laughs> A long time out at a new weight class. It's uh, there's definitely a lot of questions around like what's going to happen in that fight. Uh, you know, if I was him, I'd want to get paid as well. But you know, um, I don't know. The UFC can be very stubborn, and you know, I don't know if Dana White's the biggest fan of John Jones anymore. So maybe that'll all play into it. But yeah, in terms of fan hype, in terms of like um, competition and jeopardy and intrigue and what's going to happen and how it's going to look and all that stuff it's, it's it's a brilliant fight and i'd love it to happen and i think as, as we said like everybody seemed to be in agreement that uh straight away that this is the fight to make so Let's hopefully make that'll happen. put pressure Let's that'll put pressure happen. on the, the brass <laughs> yeah i really want to see it i really hope it happens I, I i'm not too hopeful about it but you know i i really hope it happens and uh yeah what a win for francis you know I've, i remember us talking about him on his on his debut and i was thinking like this could be a future champion and it's always cool to see that happen especially over a short term and especially when he has that setback you know he loses the title shot and is able to come back and, and do so well so it's uh it's fantastic to see for you francis know, yeah yeah you know, maybe he was pushed in there too early, as we said at the time. You know, this is a this is a quick step, but like you know, you could argue as well on the other side of it that it stood to him. You know, he yeah. he maybe he wouldn't have had that performance even even after the same amount of fights if he hadn't gone through the the Stipe loss and the the, the Lewis loss. So uh, yeah, you know, uh, it it kind of could have went either way with him there after those two losses, and he managed to like you know climb back to the, the top of the mountain. And you know, it's it's he's, he hasn't been in the game that long. Like he he has the potential to keep developing, and you know be a be a challenger to the you know the winningest uh <laughs> the winningest uh uc heavyweight champion yeah 100 percent. And, and for steeper he's still the you know still the greatest ever at heavyweight all those title defenses and all those wins and coming back and beating cormier twice you know he's 
it's definitely still up there and I wouldn't write Stipe off either he's smart enough and, and good enough I think to, to come back and beat everyone and maybe even beat Francis again we'll see because you know he beat him once can he do it again maybe and um, can he make the adjustments so um I'm looking forward to seeing Steve come back, but if he called the time now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any issues with that either. He's done enough. He's 38 years of old, uh, 38 years of age, and he's taken a lot of damage over the last few fights. You know, going does. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> well, not gonna retire. Yeah, probably don't. Retirement. Yeah. 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 But uh, what a run by Steve, and uh, what a run this could be by Francis. And uh, there's a lot, you know. I I I was on uh, I was on here last week, and I was on Ariel's show talking about it. And I said, heavyweight is that division that is the most exciting in MMA at the moment, just because of the very top of it. Now, from like Cyril Gagne down, maybe, and or from Aspinall down, it's maybe not the most exciting division in the world. But those top four or five lads with the Gagne and the Aspinalls and the Derek Lewis's kind of on the way up. And, and obviously Derek Lewis and uh, further than and the other two. John Jones, obviously, like flirting Jones, with the division, yeah. makes it a lot more interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such an interest, the top of the division. Uh, I absolutely can't wait to see what happens. Um, before we get into the rest of the card, let's just give a quick update on our Fight Picks League. So I've moved into sixth in the Fight Picks League. Uh, Noel, KDOC, Kell, Kalen, oh. and Corey are the only ones above me. What a, what a run I've had over the last two weeks. I actually didn't have that good of a night last night. <laughs> But uh, I, I'm doing pretty well. There's some other lads there. Katrina's in the top 15. She's having a great uh, time of it as well. Or by Holtebörg. Uh, I think he's over in Sweden, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Ian is there as well. Sean Denny coming in in the top 30 with Shane Hefferin. Um, Team Torres is up there. I wonder is that Andrew McGahan. Uh, oh, severe groupies in the top 50. So Tio Lander, our boy as well, is up there in the top 60 or so. So uh, Bootneck Andy has gone down a bit. He's in 63. And Graham, you're in 67 with 189 points. Uh. Poor enough, Sean. But... Um, yeah, it's, missed a week though. Yeah. My own fault, but missed a week there. That's gonna that's gonna be hard to to recoup. But uh, is, yeah. So if you want to sign up and you want to join our league, um, go over to Fight Picks on iOS and Android. Download the app and start your own league or complete head tight against other fans today. Uh, as I said, it's available on iOS and Android, and check it out on FightPicks.com. So. Um, you know, it's it's a great league. It's like the Fantasy Premier League. I know a lot of people play that. You can join our league. Just search for Severe May in the leagues and you'll find it there. We're the biggest league. We actually kind of half broke the app. It's a new app and they're doing a great job. But I think I didn't think they had a build for a league as big as ours. I think we're only like 10 people away from like 200. So if you want to join in, uh, it's the biggest league over in the app. The and biggest be, league uh, in the history of the Foy Picks app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed it is. So join up there. Uh, right. Uh, Vicente Luca versus Tyron Woodley. Okay, we all, all of us over Severe may pick Woodley going into this. I thought he could adjust, get some wrestling in here, and maybe win the decision, take the fight to the ground. I know we discussed it on the betting show. Um, and I think he, I think he tried to do that early while also adding in a bit more striking. I think he was trying to be a three round Woodley. I know for his other five round fights, and maybe it's something that isn't discussed as much before, and we always discuss it with fighters fighting in five round fights for the first time, or moving into like regular five round fighters, you have to take a step back a little bit in terms of cardio, in terms of output and everything like that, and it felt like Woodley was trying to switch that back, and throw everything early, uh, and it worked out okay for him at the start, he was almost getting a takedown, he landed one big shot, uh, he hurt Luke at one stage, 
but I just don't think he is used to it anymore. I think that Wonderboy fight absolutely destroyed him because he's been fighting no one but Wonderboy since. And to turn that switch immediately and fight a totally different style, that's going to be tough to do. And he got caught and he got hurt and he got basically knocked out. He got basically tapped out. He got basically joked out all in one round, which is a sad thing to say. Like, I'm not, I'm not making a joke of it or anything, but that's what happened. It was just, it turned into from Tyron Woodley coming out looking like he was going to attack and get the finish, maybe, to getting absolutely destroyed by Vicente Luque inside a round. Um, there's been too much, I think, with Woodley over the last few fights to not think he's kind of shot. You know, Usman came out and absolutely destroyed him. Burns destroyed him, um, Covington destroyed him, if I'm not mistaken, and now Luca has, a fighter who should not be on Woodley's level, has destroyed him as well, uh, I don't think Woodley can get back to what made him a great fighter, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, he has reached the top, he was there for a good few years, he's old enough now as well for someone, okay, if he was at heavyweight, maybe not, but, at, hold on, let me just check his age here, he's at uh, 38 years of age, that's for a welterweight that's shoving on and it's going to be a tough road for woodley back from here i i don't know he's probably being paid a lot will the ufc want to keep him around as well is another question um i think like this is where in other sports someone would retire you know they got to the very top and they're obviously on the way down now and their body's failing them this is where you step out of the the limelight and where you you don't fight anymore you've your money made has Woodley his money made? Hopefully he has, and hopefully he will be able to do that before he takes any more damage. But uh, as we say in MMA, maybe not. What, what did you think of the performance last night? What did you think of Woodley at this stage of his career? Yeah, well, I think it was, it was a good, decent game plan, a good game plan to come in and kind of like, you know, uh, change it up from maybe what Luke was expecting uh, very early. Uh, even though he didn't get the takedown, he's definitely making Luke think about it more and having to defend it. And uh, He was doing well on the feet. He just, uh, as you said, he, maybe it's hard to, you know, switch from ultra-defensive to ultra-aggressive uh, when you've been so used to and doing camps and fighting in that style for, for years now. And uh, obviously, you mentioned the three round thing. That was definitely a factor. Uh, he thought he could expend more energy, but you know, he, you could say like you know, he just got over eager and got caught. But um, even in terms of his his wrestling, like I think I think the game has evolved where to where like you know the old. I think you said like if he goes back to the old, you said on Twitter if he goes back to the old Tyron Woodley. Uh, kind of wrestling basics then he should be able to win this but I think maybe you know guys like Luke have evolved the kind of below the upper echelon guys have evolved to where they can defend like you know nearly all downs especially early in fights and Woodley's not going to be able to kind of go and do what he did in his Bellator or Strikeforce or whatever days um I just think, yeah, I just think he's the game's kind of passed him by, um, and yeah, I think you know this is a fight that a couple of years ago he he nearly definitely would have won, and you know although he didn't get he didn't get destroyed, you know he ended up getting obviously as you said like uh, basically TKO tapped out and and choked out, but you know he was in the fight and probably winning the fight uh, up until that point. So yeah, he like maybe he can you know go back and adjust. But I, I as a as a guy who's gonna who's gonna like you know ever get back into the the question for the title it, that's that's gone now. I think you know obviously you mentioned his age and he's been around. He's been in a lot of he's been in the cage a lot of a lot of minutes, and I think 
yeah, I think it's probably you know you can pretty much safely write off Tyron Woodley as a as a top guy now. Especially that, that weight as well, where everyone's waiting for like two years to get a title shot. It's going to be very hard for him to get back in there. So, yeah, it was uh, but a good win for Vicente Luque. You know, he called out Nate Diaz afterwards. I'm not sure he's going to get that, but uh, I'm sure he'll get a good fight after after this. He's always been exciting and uh, a very, very good fighter. It makes you think how good Wonderboy is as well, the, the way he uh, took care of Luque and Masvidal and a few more. But I digress. Um, after that, we had Sean O'Malley versus Tomas Almeida. Uh, O'Malley just looked absolutely fantastic. I thought uh, in this fight, um, he came out almost walk away, hit kick KO on the first, made that mistake, and then Cormier and DC, I won't get into him too much, but they kept going on about it all the time. But oh, he made the mistake, even though he was destroying him. And John Nenick made a good point, he was getting time in the cage as well, which is important for young fighters like that. Um, uh, it was a bad mistake not to follow up, but uh, you know after that he he still looked good. He looked composed in the second round, which I thought was probably the most important thing. Um, and the close in left hand that he landed, and in the big coffin nail afterwards, we had a couple of coffin nails last night with the the steep uh, Francis one as well, and also with this one to put Almeida's lights out. And up until that point, you know Almeida's chin looked very very good. He took that head kick straight on. Yeah, I was just gonna I was say that. I was yeah. I was surprised. Like you know, in the first round when he got hit with that, and the you know some other shots as well, I thought they would have affected him more. And even in the second round, you know, he seemed to be taking shots well, and it looked like it was going through the decision but in fairness to O'Malley you know people have questioned and I've questioned like once it gets past the first round is he gonna is he gonna is um Almeida gonna be able to make this a really close fight um but he wasn't O'Malley was just on a level uh you know mixing it up changing stances just uh kind of doing what he wanted with Almeida so uh yeah it was a it was a brilliant performance from him it was good cage time it was good um you know lessons to be taken about you know maybe you know making sure you have the guy finished before you before you walk off celebrating so yeah i think there's good things to take from it he showed a lot and um you know it's a it's a very good win um you know he's 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 developing still you can see that like you know he's he's maybe you know his personality rubs some people the wrong way but uh He's definitely a character, and we need more of them in MMA high-level fighters who are characters. So I think, yeah, he's a, he's a you know definitely one to watch. I think everybody knows that. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think he needs to get that Cheeto Vera fight back because it's we've seen fighters in the past before they have this one fight and it kind of ruins their career. Uh, I think he needs to get have that fight again, win, and then move on from it because people keep talking about it. And he put the O up last night. Um, you know when they announced him as twelve and one or whatever it was, I was. Oh, I, he just needs to move on from that fight. I think the UFC need to make that fight just so he can kind of move on from it. Like let's say if they'd made John Jones versus um, Matt Hamill again, I think everyone, you know, we would there wouldn't be as much talk about it these days about Jones being undefeated and everything like that. I just really think that is the fight to make. And then O'Malley's still young enough. You know, it's a good fight, good matchmaking as well. Like, okay, uh, Vera has lost recently, but I don't think that matters too much. Uh, so let's make that fight. And for Almeida, you know, I'm kind of more inclined to see Almeida fight again after last night. I thought he put up a good show and he looked dangerous at that left hand. Okay, O'Malley won almost the whole fight, but I wouldn't mind seeing Almeida in there again. Against even the likes of Cheeto Vera or someone like that. Um... I think there's lots of good fights for him there. It's good to see Almeida back. He's, you know, he might not be a Thailand challenger or a top, you know, ten fighter anytime soon. 
but I think he's always going to be fun and he's always going to be around and okay he got knocked out in the end but if he can be a little bit more conservative uh, in the way he fights and protect himself a little bit more like he did in the first couple of rounds although he, uh, he although he did get hit but sure if you're going into the MMA fight you're going to get hit um, I, I think that's that's a good sign if you're a, a fan of Tomas Almeida or if you're Tomas Almeida yourself so uh, you know a good showing by both guys and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what both of them can do in the future um so yeah a- after that there was bits and bits this miranda maverick came out and joe rogan and the, the whole lot of them were acting like she was the next coming of fucking anderson silva fedor and who, who, who was the guy back in the day that they were all said that about was it uh was it roger horta or was it oh. someone else it was uh, almost michael no, jordan like no, in his skills more recent, yeah. Yeah, was, uh, oh god i don't know uh, but there's a, and look, look, she came out and she looked good. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about her, but it wasn't as if she came out and she looked like, oh, she's gonna beat Valentina Shashinko anytime soon. And okay, they said that in the commentary to give her time, but God Almighty, uh, she, she's a good prospect, but I don't think she's like an Inganu when he started off and her thinking, oh, this is gonna be the next level of fighting. I think she looked good. She's athletic. She's strong. Um, She's good everywhere, not great anywhere, I don't think, to be honest, is, is what I saw from her, but has a, has a good base to improve off of, and she's very young as well, so she can keep improving, you know, and maybe if Valentina's gone from the division or someone like that, and if you, something like that, she could be in a few years, the one at the top of the division, but um, I suppose we'll, we'll see on that. It was an interesting one as well, I think she won the, the first and the third, uh, and the second was very close. I gave her the second, as did two other judges, but it was one of those rounds where... There was all transitions for the whole thing. And people probably think of that round and think, oh, um, uh, Robertson had control for like four minutes of the round. She didn't really have control for hardly any of the round. She had her back at certain stages, but she was up high on the back. She wasn't getting the hooks in. She wasn't dominating the back at any stage. And even with that, she was the fight got up for the last 45 seconds and she got thumped four or five times hard. Before the fight went to the ground, she got hit a couple of times hard. That means more. You know, there was no strikes on the ground. There was no submission attempts. She wasn't nearly finishing the fight at any stage. I think if the last 45 seconds hadn't come, she would have won the round. Absolutely. She had the the better positions on the ground. She did the better work on the ground. So if that was all that was there, you scored on that. And absolutely. But when there was effective, immediately effective striking or grappling, which we saw in the end with the last 45 seconds with the striking... Absolutely, I would have said the same thing if Maverick had the last 45 seconds and she was in an armbar, you know, she got her in an armbar, she got her in a guillotine or something like that, it's not just striking over grappling, the grappling has to mean something, it can't just be transitions, you know, you could transition from southpaw to, to orthodox and run around the cage and say, oh, he's transitioning well, but sure, he's not landing any shots, it's not scoring, and it's the same thing on the ground, now, if if it goes to you know the secondary and tertiary and all that, okay, you can have another uh, discussion. But it didn't because it was strikes landed. So yeah, there you go. That's my thoughts on that one anyway. But you know, a solid performance enough from Maverick against a good uh, veteran in in Gillian Robertson. Although I think they said she's only twenty five, which is a little bit surprising as well. But uh, a good win for her there. Uh, beautiful knockout as well from Jamie Malarkey. Uh, beautiful left hook KO, Ireland's own. He comes out with the Ireland flag and shuff the odd time, and I think he had any shorts, so uh, very, very good. I think someone was saying on Twitter last night, he's two Irish parents, so you know, he's proper Irish, so a very, very good win for him. Uh, Alonzo Minifield as well, got the Von Flew choke, big slam, 
Charon who held on to the guillotine and got Von Flew choked. And this is going to be the issue going forward with these Dana White contender series, guys. And especially coming in on short notice, they're not going to be the level of fighter like someone like him in a field. And you know, you're going to have the good guys. You're going to have the O'Malley's and the uh, the Kevin Hollands and other people like that, absolutely. But you're going to have guys who are coming through who are 2-0 and 3-0 and, and maybe even like 8-10-1 and and who are not going to be the level, uh, but who are going to get the shot because... You know, Dana White got him in the contender series, and they maybe got a lucky win, or maybe they're living in Las Vegas, or whatever yeah. it might be. So. You know, it's, it's yeah. yeah, definitely. It's, it's it's a quiet arena, though. You know, who's in his corner and tell him to let go of that fucking head? Like, uh, maybe they were shouting it, but you know, I actually think maybe, maybe he just couldn't held it in a bit, though. I, I was thought we were talking about this before, and I think uh, Paul Brownson is over a uh, message at the, at, the, at the end, at the end, yeah, at the end, yeah, but like. At the start of when it, when he kind of passed his guard and was there, he, you, you know, just let go of Somebody needs yeah. to be screaming at him to let go of that. He's burning out his arm for no reason, and he, he could get Von Flew choked. So uh, it's a very basic uh, mistake, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. As you said, you know, in the past there used to be like a UFC standard. We used to talk about it, like, but now it's just like, <laughs> you know, there there is no UFC standard. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, but uh, yeah, a good win from Innerfield, uh, as I said, uh, as well. Uh, Abu Bakr and Megamedov got a good win over Jared Gooden. Um, look good on the feet and, and good on the ground in the, in the third round. Uh, I'm not sure he's Habib level yet, but Jared Gooden's a good fighter and he got a good win over him, so absolutely nothing wrong with that one. Uh, Michael Lulishik beat Modestus Bukowskis in a very close fight. But this this was the part of the, the, the portion of the evening where I went insane at the commentary. It wasn't as bad after that, to be honest. There was a few things, but they said afterwards... And John Anik was the worst of them. And, uh, you know, people usually think I give out about DC and Steepa more... Or DC and uh, and uh, Rogan more than, <laughs> more than anyone else. But John Anik... They, you know, they were saying this stupid shit about forward motion winning him the fight for the whole thing, which is anyone who listens to this podcast knows it's absolute bullshit. And then Anik at the end was like, yeah, he won it. Forward motion won it for him. I was like... Please, we need to stop the shit. John Anik literally reads out the the scoring criteria at the start of the the broadcast. He literally says, in that order. You know, he says those words, in that order. We know that that's not the way fights are scored. And uh, it's it's just so, so infuriating. But it was uh, anyway, it was a good fight. Um, uh, I don't know how... I I think I would have scored a 29-28 for a Linshuk as well over Bukowskis. Uh, the first two rounds were very all three rounds were very close in fact to be honest it was a, a very very good fight um, but uh, yeah you can't complain too much about uh, any result I don't think for anyone there but a uh, split decision I think was one of those fights it was always going to be a split decision when there are three close rounds uh, but uh, yeah good, a good fight though um, Omar Morales versus Shane Young went to uh, a split decision as well Omar Morales looks like Harry Kane with, uh, in, in fucking in disguise or something but uh Good win for him. And then Barrio beat Abu Azitar. A lot of people saying it's going to be in a 10-7 in the last round if it had gone there. And, you know, I couldn't hundreds to disagree with that. I thought personally it was a 10-8. But you, I suppose you can't tell on when the fight has four seconds left and the guy gets finished there. Because so, if he was finished and he should have been stopped and stopped and stopped and stopped for the last four seconds, maybe it would have been more clear of a 10-7. But I think uh, the judges probably would have been erring on that. What did you think of that, the stoppage in that? Do you think, uh, oh, it was uh, Jordan Vallel, I think. Do you think he was a bit late stopping? I didn't think it was too bad, but a lot of no, people were giving out about it. Yeah, I thought it was okay. 
I thought it was okay. Uh, you know, uh, we've seen much more egregious things happen. Uh, you know, um, it's it's a split second decision, and I think you know, like you can look back at it a few times and replay and say, oh, maybe. But in the moment, I thought the same that he was finished. So I think it was a good call. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Right, no UFC next week. There is a bit of a Bellator, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but let's just quickly, and as well, before we move on to anything else, actually, Cage Legacy have a fight coming up next Saturday. Uh, it's going to be on pay-per-view. Um, it's obviously no fans and everything like that because it's on in, in Ireland. Uh, but if you can, you know, buy the pay-per-view and be helping Irish MMA fighters, you're helping the Irish MMA scene. Uh, and it'll be absolutely, you know, it has be absolutely fantastic. I've been at a, lo- a lot of Cage Legacy cards. They're they always put on very very good shows, and uh, you know there's some very very good fights on it. Palahan uh, is fighting on this card against Leon Hill, who we saw in Cage Warriors last year. Palahan, that famous KO in the amateur fight down the court, Leon Hill fighting out of Team KF. So that's a very very good fight. Um, Kenny Mokahana, one of the best amateurs in Ireland. Is on the card as well. Uh, Scott Harvey is on the card. Kieran Mulholland. So there's some very, very good fighters on it. Lots of amateur fights. Uh, lots of, uh, I think there's four or five pro fights as well. So find it all Cage Legacy MMA on, uh, on Twitter and on uh, on Instagram as well. And get the pay-per-view and, and, and uh, you know, sign up for it. And I'm sure we'll be watching. We'll, we'll be talking about it as well more next week. But uh, it's good for the Irish MMA scene that it's come back in like, you know, there's a week to go as well. So hopefully it fucking happens because you never know what way the COVID will go or what way injuries go or whatever uh, happens coming up to this. So um, it'd be great for it to keep going. And I know they've put fantastic uh, effort into getting this going. And I was talking to one of the owners there a couple of weeks ago. And what they're going to do is, is they're going to test everyone the second they come in, have them sit down until the test result comes back. And then put them in like a bubble with their own team uh, in a room. Uh, And obviously the same for the other team. Then they have them come down. They'll have the fight. Back into the bubble with their own room. Pack up. Out the door. So it's no, you're not going to be standing around. You're not going to be watching the other fights. You're keeping with your coaches, and they're asking them to, to kind of cocoon as well by themselves with their coaches, maybe even if they can for a couple of days before the fights, just so there's nothing egregious or they don't turn up and they don't fail the test and they're turned back. So. Uh, they're doing all they can. They're getting the testing, which is I'm sure is going to cost a lot of money for a, a small promotion in Ireland who isn't getting big money and big sponsorship or anything like that. So uh, if you can support it, I would suggest you do um, because Cage Legacy always do a good job and you see up-and-comers on it, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely uh, tell everyone to to support that and get uh, be part of it. So, um, do, I suppose elsewhere in Irish MMA, Graham, we had three Irish MMA fighters fighting this week and over on Brave. Uh, Glenn McVeigh uh, lost by a guillotine in the first few seconds of the round. Not much to say, I suppose. He went forward. Uh, f- uh, Fair Harsha caught him uh, in the guillotine and he tapped out inside the inside the first round. Um, you know, goes to 0-2 in his career after losing to Makayev. So I got a couple of tough fights to start it off uh, there in his career. Uh, the other fight was Matthias Zarafis, uh, Z- uh, who fights out of uh, Philip Mulpeter's uh, SPG gym. He fought Gazmat Megamedov, a very, very close fight. Uh, almost had to finish at once, I just think, in the second round. But Megamedov kind of came back and landed on top of him in the end of that second round and could have taken the round. So I went to the decision, and uh, Megamedov won the unanimous decision. Very, very close, though. And uh, Zaharov, I really like his style. He fights... 
he's a languid, long style, very good striker. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. He's four and one in his career now, which is not bad at all. And you know, fighting in brave, they're, they're always giving him tough matchups. So uh, if he can win another couple. Uh, and get back at it. I'm sure uh, he's a big, big future ahead of him. Cause, so he looks very good. Also on that card, Mohamed Makayev got a great win. I, a good win. I didn't think he was fantastic, to be honest, uh, in that. But he got a good win anyway. And uh, Blaine O'Driscoll went in there against Shorty Torres. Took it to him early. Landed some big, big shots early. And almost had Torres out of there. But Torres came back. The start of or the end of the, the first round and coming into the second round. Won the third round well. But I thought it was a fantastic display by Blaine O'Driscoll. Uh, I think you know this was at um, a catch weight and on short notice, obviously five days notice for Blaine O'Driscoll. I think that suited Torres to be honest. The catch weight, I think he looked bigger than Blaine in there. If they both had to get down to one twenty five, if Blaine had a full camp, would I don't know what I'd be picking Blaine, but it'd be very close to it. I think that's very much a fifty fifty fight. You'd nearly fancy Blaine on a full camp, but a very very good performance on five days notice. What, what did you think of it, Graham, and, and all the Irish fighters there? Yeah, you know, we're playing. We talked about it before. He always kind of brings it. He's always in shape. Short notice isn't really a big problem for for him, as maybe it is for some other guys. Um, and you know, he definitely he definitely showed that uh, that he, he was able to kind of hang hang with uh, Shorty Torres. Obviously, obviously, uh, it's a very close fight. I don't think too many people are arguing with the decision. But yeah. you know, if it had went the other way, he wouldn't have been too surprised. Uh, especially, it looked like. As you said, it looked like early, like uh, he might he might get the finish. Uh, but uh, you know, obviously Torres has uh, fought some some top guys. He's experienced. Uh, maybe a less experienced guy would have, would have crumbled there. So uh, you know, you can't take anything away from Torres. It was a uh, he he won the fight. Um, Blaine Blaine definitely took it to him, probably more than he expected. You know, some guys probably never heard of coming in on five days' notice. He probably you know not really. Uh, um, it's not really like you know the biggest fight of his career or anything like that so maybe some of that was going on but uh blaine tried to take advantage of all that and nearly did so fair play to him but uh yeah it was a uh, you know one that we may see again in the future they probably won't make it immediately again but if blaine can put a couple of wins together you know you could make that again yeah and shorty torres even said himself he'd like to, <laughs> to do it again because uh, blaine was better than he expected and put on a fantastic display so yeah i definitely think that is something we could see in the future and uh you know, I think it showed how good Blaine is. He won our fighter of the year last year, and I think this is why, you know, a very, very, very good fighter. So I'm uh, looking forward to seeing uh, his next move and uh, what what uh, what he's going to be doing in, in the future. Um, so, yeah, very good. Uh, not, well, our three losses for Irish MMA, not a great uh, event, but some good performances, especially from Zaharovs and from Blaine O'Driscoll. So uh, looking forward to seeing what they do next. Um, the big major MMA this weekend, I suppose, apart from the, the Cage Legacy here in Ireland, is Bellator 255 coming back with a bit of a bang of Patricio Pitbull. Probably the best fighter in Bellator at the moment, taking on Emmanuel Sanchez. That should be a fun fight. Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov against Mike Hamill. Matt Mitrion is back here against Tyrell Fortune. Your boy, My boy Jason, Jason Jackson. Jackson against uh, Neiman Gracie. If you haven't heard over on Patreon.com forward slash Severe May Podcast, we named our Team Sheehan and Team Graham this week. And Jason Jackson made Team Sheehan. A lot of people were fucking shocked. Shocked was the word, Graham. Uh, but Jason Jackson, I like him. I really like him. He's very, very good. Um, Kana Wanatabe versus Alexandra Lara as well. Wanatabe, 9-0-1. So she's obviously one of the best prospects there at Flyweight. Roger Huerta, who I mentioned earlier, is back here again. Um, so yeah, so if, 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 your boy, if your boy Jason Jackson gets submitted by, by a jiu-jitsu guy, are you going to oh, admit no. the jiu-jitsu 
Two works. <laughs> no, he's not going to die. He's going to win that. I'd fancy him to win that fight. If the betting odds are out in that fight, Neiman Gracie might be favourite, I'd say. But back, uh, back Jason Jackson in that fight. Interesting as well in this fight. Well, you Fabio Aguilar, 17-1 against Khalid Morelazev, 14-2. But Magomed Magomedov is on this card, who we talked about a lot in the podcast over the last while. He beat Petr Jan uh, in that one fight back in the day. He So he is coming into Bellator here. And you know, seventeen to one, the one losses Perian in the rematch. So he is—he's uh, going to come in and he's going to make a difference in this Bellator bantamweight division. So if you haven't seen him before, uh, now is the time to watch because he's a fighter you're going to be forced to 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 know about uh, coming up over the next while. Uh, very unfortunate one, Mads Brunel versus Saul Rogers was supposed to be on this card. It was cancelled. They say visa issues, which always seems to be a problem uh, around there. So. Um, yeah, looking forward to the car. Pretty good card for Belter to bounce back with. Uh, looking forward to where it goes. Where is it going to be broadcast in Ireland? Let's see. <laughs> I am I am told that we will know this week and we will have somewhere to watch it. But we've been told that before by Bellator, so so let's wait and see where that goes. But uh, yeah, I think that's that. Oh yeah, last thing as well, Graham, before we go. Uh, Misha Tate's coming back. Uh, she she said she's coming back. Eamon and uh, Mandy Nunes. Uh, do you know with Misha, I wonder could she make 125? Like, I know, I know we talked about weight cutting and all last week, but I don't think Misha is particularly huge. I don't think she cuts much weight to get down to 135, to be honest. Um, you know, I think 125 might be possible. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally off, and maybe she'll have to kill herself. And if she had, absolutely don't go down there. But I think that might be a better division. You know, there's a, a title for, or a, a number one contender fight going on here between... Um, Jojo Calderwood and Lauren Murphy Misha Tate at her best I think she beats both of them so I wonder if she could get down there would that be possible but uh, however she's coming back at 135 anyway uh, are you looking forward to seeing Misha coming back Graham into the uh, hashtag MMA retirement not, the UFC division? not really uh, not really like you know she's been out a long time the game's evolving <sighs> I don't know um, it depends uh, what her motivation is if she's back to to make money, <laughs> then it, this could be this could go very badly if she if she really misses the competition and wants to make it back to the top like like she kind of say is saying with you know then maybe but I I really don't I, you know you never believe in my retirements but as they go on you think uh, like maybe maybe this was a good idea but then you know they always come back and um yeah I don't know I don't I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I don't know. I I was kind of always thought she'd come back, especially when she started training there, maybe six months ago or so. So I say she has been in the gym for a long time, uh, training. So you know, looking forward. Look, Misha's one of the biggest stars in the history of of women's MMA. I'm looking forward to seeing her back. Uh, will she beat Amanda Nunes? Not a hope in hell, but sure. Look at uh, no one else will any either. So we might as well, we might as well see her coming back. She's fighting Marion Renault coming up here soon, so I think that's a wise matchmaking. Renault's going to retire on that fight, she says, and she's like forty-three years of age and a school teacher and stuff. So she probably is actually going to retire in one of the few. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking. Look, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, be nice to see Misha back. Um, right. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Apologies again for the sound issues. I actually think they're not too bad here for the last half. An hour or so but at the start maybe uh maybe not great but we will have it fixed and back to normal by next week um and that's all uh we will see you all next week and all that's left to do here today is give you the inspirational quote of the week man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore we'll see you next tuesday or probably sunday <laughs>